Welcome to Ruby Ray, real and raw conversations for the rising global man. I am your host, Jacqueline. Welcome to the Ruby Ray podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Norton. Today, we are diving into the depths of the feminine mystery, into the true essence of the feminine, into the unquenchable spirit of the feminine heart, into the infinitude, into the limitless vastness of who we are of the feminine spirit moving through us so what i mean by this is today we are exploring the topic of yearning and the episode title of today is your yearning is your home and i thought there was no better person to explore this topic of yearning with than nina lombardo Nina is a teacher and a mentor helping women come into embodying their most authentic spiritual and sexual expression. So her practice weaves different modalities of feminine spiritual practice and sacred sexuality and somatic healing techniques with ritual and healing and psychology to help women come into the truest and rawest and most full and embodied expression of who we are both spiritually and sexually and at the heart of feminine practice at the heart of the feminine at the heart of the feminine heart is yearning if we boil it down to its most inherent and innate expression. In essence, this is what it is. And so today we are diving into our yearning as our home and what this means and the true essence of yearning, what it feels like, how to cultivate it, how to magnify it, how to even recognize it and the energetic quality of yearning. We also talk about living open as love's yearning and what that really means and forming a daily practice along with coming into ownership of our healthy divine masculine and being claimed by the divine masculine in the dance of love and consciousness or in the polarity of feminine and masculine so today's conversation is so juicy so buckle up baby because we're going on the ride into feminine yearning today and i'm really grateful to have nina here to take us into these realms and into these depths and help us gain a deeper and more embodied and exciting and alive experience of our own beingness of the love within us and also of our own deep hearts yearning so thank you so much for being here thank you for your time and your attention and i hope you really enjoyed this episode so here's nina 
Hello, welcome to another episode of the Ruby Ray podcast. I am here with Nina Lombardo today and really excited to be having this conversation around yearning and feminine yearning. And so I first became familiar with Nina's work through a course I did called Dear Lover, which was all about sacred intimacy. And one of the main things that we talked about in this was yearning. And I was just so interested in this practice and in this idea and in the way that this practice has opened me into deeper and deeper layers of my own feminine. And so this is the topic of this conversation today. And this is what we're here to explore. And, you know, since the Ruby Ray, it's all about breaking down these walls and these armors around our heart. And we get to this place once we do this of, of our softness and of our vulnerability and of our true feminine essence. And this can be a really vulnerable place to rest in, especially when we've had those self-protective mechanisms up for all of these years. And even maybe if not in our own life, we're carrying it from other lives um, and within our own lineage. And so there's all of these different layers to it. And so the intention of this conversation is really to hone in on this idea of of yearning and this essence of it and to not just know about it on an intellectual level, but to really be able to welcome this feeling into our bodies, to bloom it open more in our bodies and to be able to hold more of it and express more of it and feel safe in doing that. And so I hope that this is just one of the takeaways that can come from this because I know how much you know, we walk through life with a lot more ease and grace when we can open ourselves up to to this yearning. And so I'm curious, Nina, what was your path with coming into your feminine? Because I, I, I just loved watching you in the course and the way that you hold yourself and carry yourself. And I think we learn so much just by witnessing. And so was this something that was always really natural to you? Or was it was it modeled to you in your family or was it something that you totally had to learn on your own? That's a beautiful question. And there's a few pieces to it. I think I was born innately very feminine, just very in my feeling body. I've always connected with my longing heart. And I, I just remember even as a kid, just always longing for connection and something greater and when I watch like home videos of myself, there's this one video in particular of my sister doing my makeup. And I just remember like her putting my eyeshadow on and my blush and me looking in the camera, just like feeling like a radiant beam of light. And I really connect with that little feminine heart inside of me. But as I grew older, there was, and I think a lot of women can relate to this, just coming into my womanhood, I didn't have the resources to really feel anchored and empowered in what was happening in the changes in my body and wasn't prepared to receive the attention that I started receiving. When I started growing breasts, just started coming into my sexuality, nor did I have the guidance from my family really around that. My family, the, the, the women in my family really come from this lineage of, lineage of always needing to look beautiful, always like perfect nails, really nice outfits. Beauty was really celebrated in my family, but 
on a more superficial level. So, and, and it didn't feel always needing to look our best for parties and needing to be thin and these sorts of things. And they really were difficult for me as a, as a young woman. Who am I? What is, what is my worth beyond my beauty? And so I went through a period of rebellion against my femininity. I shaved my head. I grew out my leg hair and armpit hair. And I really became more neutralized in my expression because it felt safer in a lot of ways. And it felt like just a rebellion of what I knew femininity to be. And if you understand, so David Data's language, he's one of my teachers, he uses what's called the three stages. It's a framework he created. And the surface shine of femininity is really what he would call the first stage. And and obviously there's a lot of issues with that in our culture. And so my evolution into growing from that superficial value of the feminine, being praised for just our external beauty into my sort of neutralization of myself, coming more within, dimming my external light, but really exploring my wholeness as a sovereign human being. That was me growing in, from the first to the second stage. In that dimming of my feminine light, I realized my heart was always still longing. My heart was always still yearning for love, for intimacy, for a partner who can hold me. I didn't have the framework for that language at the time. Mm -hmm. But I, inside, I really wanted that. But my external kind of transmission in the world wasn't attracting what I desired because I was very sort of neutral or on the outside, right? And a lot of that also had to do with my trauma, my trauma around receiving attention. I was like, well, if I dim my feminine light, if I dim my radiance, then I won't receive this sort of harmful masculine attention that I'd been receiving. So a lot of that, yeah, was, was out of protection. A lot of it was rebellion. And so when I discovered this work in particular, though there were many like evolutionary stages leading up to my discovery of this work where I just started to celebrate um, my sexuality and my, my fullness more, but really understanding this framework of David Data's work really liberated me into feeling a new aspect of my femininity that was true to who I am inside mm -hmm. and felt so deeply, yeah, like just hearing, reading his books and hearing him talk about what the feminine really is, I just felt like it was home for me. Like, mm -hmm. ah, that is who I am. And how do I bring that back out? How do I liberate this part of myself in a way that feels safe, in a way that feels nourishing, in a way that feels really conscious? So that, in summary, I think is is my journey with that. And, and yeah, there's so much more to it. But right. And then it starts to just take on a life form of its own, I feel yeah, like. Totally. Um, so yearning, I know, is like your favorite topic. It's like your favorite thing mm -hmm. to talk about. So you're the perfect one to be talking on this. And what is, how would you explain that essence of yearning, mm -hmm. what it is, and why you love it so much? Yeah, Wow. I had a revelation recently. I was reading a book that was talking about embryology mm. and it was speaking to the impulse of life to develop itself, to come into wholeness. So when we're in the womb, we know we start as two little cells and we begin multiplying into all these evolutionary stages in the womb into the wholeness of our, our human being. 
and that energy behind creation, right? The way it was described in this book is that energy, that kind of like fundamental force that brings us into wholeness is the essence of yearning. It's life's yearning to come into wholeness with itself. And the way I've described yearning in the past and the way I relate to it now, so it really came together when I was reading this in this new way, just embryology I'd never considered. Yearning is the feminine, right? The inherent state of the feminine is a state of yearning. So really, and and the feminine is the essence of life. She is the life force energy. So if we really just rest in yearning, it has a fundamental disposition to flow into wholeness. That's its purpose. So in the development of our creation, our physical form, that yearning is the catalyst to bring us from two cells into a whole breathing, feeling, thinking body. But then beyond that, after we're birthed into this world, our consciousness, like we begin to yearn not so much on a physical level necessarily, although that's a part of it, but we yearn on a soul level. Like we still keep yearning. The, the, that yearning is still flowing through us because as soon as we're born out of the womb, there's often a feeling of separateness that happens, right? When we're in the womb with our mothers, we're, there's no separation. There, we, it, there's a wholeness there. But then as soon as we exit and come out into the world, there's just this fundamental disconnection from source, from mother, right? And so I feel like a lot of the spiritual human experience is about coming back to wholeness, coming back to wholeness with the divine, Mm -hmm. with creation herself, with consciousness. So that impulse of yearning is what leads us to that. Everyone who is on a spiritual path, who is on, whether that's your spiritual path in relationship with some aspect of the divine or God or something greater than you, or the path of intimacy, yearning for deep connection with another human, either of those paths, there's a, uh, a longing for wholeness, for deep union, for connection, for not feeling separate anymore. So yearning is this beautiful catalyst for our journeys to self-discovery. Do you think yearning is different than desire? I think it is. When I feel those two words in my body, they feel different. Desire feels like a clinging often. It feels very, and and they might be manifestations of one another. Like desire might be a more dense form of yearning, Mm -hmm. for example. But yeah, desire has a different quality. I don't know if I could quite describe, but yearning feels Like when I feel yearning, it feels like this vacuum experience of just wanting to take in, like feeling something, this intuitive knowing that there's something bigger, something greater, and we want to receive that into our bodies to experience ourselves fully. Desire kind of feels more worldly to me, I suppose. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's the distinction. I mean, I just love that visual of like taking it in because when we sit here and we think, how do I invite more yearning into my body? How do I invite more of this essence of who I am into me and allow myself to reveal more of it and express more of it? And I just love that visual of like letting it all come in because that's us opening up deeper in our feminine of being more and more receptive to everything that's already innately here it's just right pulling it in more 
Is that how you would describe what that feels like for you when you're in that process of going deeper into that feeling of yearning of, okay, I want to amplify this feeling within me. I want to feel more of this. I want to go deeper into this. Is that sort of the visual or the mind like shift that you take yourself into of being opening yourself up more? So you're asking about deepening the experience of yearning. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you do that? Yeah, yeah. honestly, I, I don't integrate a lot of visualization necessarily. It's really just a softening and opening to what is fundamentally there and, and not resisting it. So it's a practice of letting go, of surrender, and of opening towards rather than like forcing it to happen because it's always there. It's the building block of creation. The feminine is the life force energy moving through all of life, all of existence, all of physical Mm -hmm. form reality. So she's always present and there's always some longing there. And I think it's just such an intense experience. There's such a intense ache inherently to the feeling of yearning that I think we're just conditioned to close and harden and cut ourselves off from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've been so cut off from it for so long that it, that when we start to open ourselves up to this again, it feels really foreign, but it also feels home at the same time. Nothing makes me feel more alive. Nothing makes me feel more invigorated with my own self. But at the same time, it's going into that, ooh, oh, this is, this feels interesting. It's this dance that's happening at the same time where this is all I ever want to feel. And oh, also like I'm rubbing up against something here to, to feel it too. So for what do you think are some of the like practical ways that we can, as people who are primarily in their feminine embodiment, dive into this more after all of these thousands of years of oppression and suppression mm. and closing our heart. And the, it, it can feel really vulnerable and really scary to say, mm. wait, I've been in this like self-protective mode for all these years because whether for, we all have our own reasons, whether it's trauma or abuse or just not feeling comfortable with the attention we were getting, like what you were saying. So now it's coming back into the safety of our expression and also into the practice of cultivating this yearning. And so are there some practical ways for anyone listening saying, I want to start to feel this and embody this more, but I don't know like the steps to get me there. Yes. And I really like to move from the physical level, from the most dense level to the more subtle levels. And I think that's the easiest way to work with yearning because yearning manifests very physically in our bodies during sex or when we're turned on, for example. And specifically, not specifically those who have vaginas, but anyone who really identifies with the feminine sexually, any body who identifies with the feminine sexually, which means your, your sexual yearning is to be pressed into, to receive, to take in, to be like obliterated by your lover. Like you want to feel that press, that, that your lover is pressing into you, feeling you, knowing you deeper than, than you can feel and know yourself. So 
if that's your sexual yearning, then you're already familiar with how yearning, this quality of feminine yearning manifests in your body. Like it's, it feels like a vacuum effect, like right before your lover is about to enter you. It's this feeling of, oh my God, yes, enter me, enter me, fill me, fill me. It's this very strong feeling. Whereas I think those who identify more with the masculine sexually, it's a different quality. It's a, it's a pressing into, it's a very penetrative force. Whatever you're genitalia is the energetic experience is very different than this taking in of the feminine yearning right so if that's your sexual experience then i invite you to when you're doing a self-pleasure practice for example to really tune in to the quality of yearning like really sit with your the yearning in your genitalia the yearning in your throat like we feel the yearning very intensely often in those two places right to take in our lovers through our throat to take in through our pussies our ass you know everyone has a different like any orifice really if you, if I think those listening who identify with this know what I'm talking about, right? The feeling is like penetrate me everywhere, <laughs> right? So just explore and sit with that and, and be in that sensation. Practice magnifying the physical sensation and being present with it without necessarily using a tool to, to penetrate yourself. Just being with the yearning without actually filling yourself and magnify it, breathe with it, soften your body, open to it. And then once that feels really alive in your body, then you can begin bringing in the more emotional, subtle qualities. Like often the feeling when we're so in our sexual yearning, often it's even if we're being penetrated in our vaginas, for example, it's still like penetrate me deeper, like penetrate me into my heart. Like our hearts want to be penetrated. So feel into the quality of your heart wanting to be penetrated, the yearning of the heart. And then feel into the spiritual yearning. Like what does your soul want? And just start tuning into the more subtle, subtle layers of that yearning. But start with the physical level and just stay open to what manifests as you stay present with the physical. Mm, I love that. What do you think is the difference between that sense of yearning and neediness? Mm, because yeah. there's sort of a fine line between the two, but it's a yeah. distinct line. <laughs> totally. There, it's a very, it, it's a pretty distinct line. The way I describe it is that neediness is a clench around yearning. So the feminine heart, for example, a, a really common thing I work with with women and something I know I used to, to deny in myself is this just deep yearning for love. Like most women I work with, most women I know, my friends, just like every person they date, they just want them fully. And there's almost, I wouldn't say it's an obsession, but there's this orientation. Like once you open your body and heart to someone, there's this orientation of your whole being where you're just constantly wanting them, constantly feeling them, constantly just, yeah, experiencing them and wanting them near you, wanting them inside you. And I, I know from my own experience, I used to correspond this deep yearning as a weakness. I used to identify it as a weakness, that something was wrong with me because that's kind of what the overculture has led us to believe, right? 
And just like I remember in middle school, you know, like you don't want to be needy, right? We don't want to be needy. So we actually resist our genuine yearning. We resist it all. And we try to be strong and independent. Yeah, we become the strong, independent woman who can do her own thing and doesn't, you know, doesn't need any of that. And it completely shuts us off. Totally. So my invitation is to own that yearning, own that you want love, own that it's your gift to orient your awareness to your lover at all times of the day. It's beautiful. That's devotion. However, when we start needing our lover in order to feel whole, it's when we start needing our lover, needing their attention, needing their presence in order to feel whole that we start moving into neediness, right? In yearning, there's this disposition. It's kind of a paradox. As you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of paradox in this conversation, especially with yearning. It's this paradox of knowing you're already whole and still wanting more, right? Because even if you think of just the lovemaking experience, When you're like, you might be yearning for your lover so deeply in the passions of intimacy, they enter you, but it's not enough. Like you still want them more. And each thrust is like more, more, more. And it's just this overflowing, infinite fullness of just wanting to be filled endlessly. And yearning is an infinite void. It's unfillable. It's unfillable. So just recognizing that that's its nature and learning to trust and relax with that keeps you open and yearning and without collapsing into neediness, just trusting that this void is never going to be filled, but I'm already whole. Like this, this void is wholeness. This void is complete, but it's never going to feel like enough. Right. But when we can't accept that or can't rest in the intensity of that experience that we start clenching our bodies, grasping on needing attention, needing love, needing this and that from whoever, whatever, in order to keep filling that unfillable void. Right. And, And it's usually insatiable then too, but there's just now a clench around it. Because as soon as we get that attention or that love, it's satisfying for a moment, but then it goes away and then we feel unworthy afterwards. So yearning is, powered yearning is feeling in your wholeness and wanting more. Yeah. I There was one point in the course and there was a gal that was speaking and one thing that really stuck with me was like, don't respond don't act from that place of neediness or from that place of uncenteredness and i think that we are especially now we're living in this wild world where there's reactions coming at us all the time so it can get easy just to well maybe not easy but i think it's just something we're all becoming aware of is our reactions to things and the place that we're creating from the place that we're communicating from and i love what what you or Lisa said, and it was about communicating from that place of wholeness, creating from that place of wholeness. So don't act off of that place of neediness or when you're in a moment of like feeling kind of insecure or not the love that you are. And so do whatever you need to do to come back into that fullness, into that knowing you are the fullness of love and then act from that place. And and that is a whole different expression that comes from it. Definitely. And it's one of the fundamental teachings that I share with women before anything is these tools to come into your wholeness, these tools to come into your fullness, your inherent fullness that doesn't need anything from anybody. 
right? It's like, I'm full. I am like love embodied. Because when we really anchor in that knowing in ourselves, it becomes very difficult to tolerate unconscious behavior. And I know a lot of women who've tolerated a lot of unconscious behavior from people they've dated, from partners, right? Because fundamentally, they didn't feel like enough, right? So coming into our enoughness, into our fullness is such an essential part of the journey. So important. It's sort of like when we have this whole feast within ourselves, and we have this gourmet meal within our heart because that's the love that we are and it's endless feast. But then someone comes knocking at the door with shitty food and you're like, yeah. why would I take that when I can have like all of the, you know, like I already have all of this in endless amounts and all of these different cuisines right in my home. Why would I take your crappy food? Oh <laughs> it's God. sort of like that idea, right? Totally. Where it's like, wait, I'm good. I'm full like I and that's like where the discernment comes in yeah I, I love that analogy that's fantastic <laughs> yeah and, and um, also when when we let ourselves be cl- like in our yearning whether we're yearning for connection and intimacy whether we're yearning for a sense of wholeness with the divine it's all the same we're yearning for consciousness right? We're yearning for consciousness through a person or we're yearning for divine consciousness. We're yearning to be filled by that like eternal, all accepting spaciousness. Like that's what the yearning is, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just talking about the, our yearning is that yearning of consciousness. And so that's why it can feel really painful and uncomfortable to the feminine heart when we're in the presence of a masculine or someone in who's predominantly in their masculine energy and they're just not there at all. And it feels like when we're resting in that open feminine heart, it's, Oh, this doesn't feel comfortable for me. It feels like it kind of creates that uh, feeling and it's not necessarily the man himself. It's the consciousness that we're yearning for. We're yearning for his presence, like for his awareness and to bring it back and to segue into the polarity aspect of this, because yearning has this fundamental role in polarity and in emphasizing the masculine and the feminine polarity. And so if we were to really like dig into this, what I know that you said before and part of David Data's teachings is that the yearning is what evokes the depth of masculine presence. And so if we were really to hone in on that, what do you think it is about that yearning that creates this polarity and and evokes this depth of presence in the masculine? Because we're not we lead both of you and I lead most of our life predominantly in our feminine, right? So to understand that. Well, yearning creates an invitation, right? The experience of yearning is come into me, right? It's the energy of it is a sort of vacuum energetic of drawing in. And that's just the, the quality of it, right? This drawing in nature. So when we embody our yearning, I mean, just physically, just naturally draws an attention. It's very appealing. It's very enticing. It's very magnetic to attention, which is consciousness, which is awareness, right? Softness, suppleness, surrender, like all of those qualities of the feminine create just are so invitational. That's its essence, Mm -hmm. right? 
So yearning is is the invitation is how I often describe it. Yeah. And I think like the part that makes it so magnetic and draws consciousness in is just because when we're in that space of our own yearning, we're in our wholeness, we're in our hearts, we're in, we're in our body. So much of this and this practice is about getting, isn't necessarily through like the learning or the knowledge. It's about like the practice of being more, occupying more space in our body and then right. the the subtleties that come from there. And I know one, that was one of the major things that we practiced in the course was working with our body to activate, to go deeper into the fullness of our love, to feel the love within our body, not just saying I love you, but to be that expression of love through our hearts, through our wombs, through our throats. And so mm-hmm. do you think that, as we come back into this feminine realm paradigm time in which has been washed away for thousands of years in history. And so we're coming back to this, these truths and these practices and these ways that have been forgotten about for a really long time. And I feel like yearning is a key part in this because it's a core pillar of the feminine way that has been so forgotten about almost Mm -hmm. or it's been unsafe in what and demonized as well yeah right where it's like you're either a whore or you're a saint and you're nothing in between and there's no Uh space for this like realm of expression in the whole Uh in between and so how do you think as I know this is a really broad question but how do you think as a collective as a feminine collective what are the steps that we take to start to feel comfortable in innate expression again yeah well certainly gathering with other women and being in this and celebrating this in each other is so essential to just create that sense of safety again Mm -hmm. it's not always safe to embody our yearning in in open spaces in the world because yearning is a deep invitation and attracts attention when we're in our yearning fully and expressing it through our bodies it could attract a lot of attention so it's not always safe to be in that but what's important whereas I think in the past our bodies close around it and then we cut ourselves off from that yearning now with this new awareness of oh my yearning is my power and it's not always serving the space to be living show displaying that yearning through my body it's not always safe for me it's not always beneficial to others right like maybe at a work meeting is not the most appropriate yeah. time to be pulsing your yeah or, or walking through the airport <laughs> yeah totally so having discernment around when and how to to move your yearning through your body is important and just to not cut yourself off from it so you could and you probably remember this in dear lover you can zip up right you can practice kind of zipping up your energetic field while staying pulsing and alive and in your yearning and your body. But in spaces where it's safe, like in groups of other women and just being in that together and, and just witnessing other women's, their expression of yearning, 
is so powerful because it's inspiring and it, 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 it's a permission slip, right? So I really encourage all women to celebrate that in, in their groups of friends, to bring that out in each other and to have practice groups where they are allowing themselves to be that vulnerable with one another because it is vulnerable to be in our yearning, right? Soft in our yearning. So yeah, creating that sangha or community around that is just so vital. It's really vulnerable work. I mean, I thought I was pretty open to a group dancing and so expression and moving my body. And that is always something that's come really natural to me and really a big part of who I am. And then when we started doing this sort of work and I was like, oh, wow, this is a whole other realm that we're tapping into here. And it's super I mean, I don't, I really don't know any other word to describe it besides vulnerable. And mm-hmm. we have a tendency as humans that when we start feeling this vulnerability, it's, oh, I'm doing something wrong or, oh, it's leading me mm-hmm. astray when really it's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just breaking into something new here. And so mm-hmm. it's like this yearning is breaking us into deeper expression of the feminine and deeper embodiment of it. Mm-hmm to make the the vulnerable aspect of it less vulnerable is just where the practice comes in of doing it, of, wow. of bringing our awareness to it over and over and over again, because then that foreign feeling starts to feel less foreign, just inch by inch right. over time. Right, right. And it's just inherently vulnerable. I mean, when we let ourselves be pierced by something greater than us, right? When we open ourselves to yearning, we're inviting something in, right? Mm-hmm. We're surrendering to this really powerful force. And yeah, there's this huge unknown mystery yeah. in that, right? And that's vulnerable as hell. Yeah. And it's also really courageous. It's really courageous and it's really life-giving. The devotional mystics, the mystic poets, Rumi and Mirabai, right? And there's this element of fully, they are in the feminine role, for in their longing for God, right? In their longing. And that's the relationship between lover and beloved. The lover is the feminine. Beloved is the masculine. And in all of our relationship with the divine, we are playing the feminine, right? Mm-hmm. Longing for God, longing for union, mm-hmm. right? And I really encourage everybody to read these poets because they touch on yearning, holy longing in such a beautiful way. But Mirabai, yeah, just dancing naked in the street and just expressing her love for God, so full of life, so yeah. full of life. And people thought she was crazy, and but still she kept singing, she kept her poetry, she kept dancing, right, in praise. And it's just this constant tension, this constant separation, maybe glimmers of union, right, glimmers of that connection, but then it's gone again. But look yeah. at what it inspires. It inspires so much art, yeah. right? All the best art, in my personal opinion, throughout history is inspired by longing Mm. and it's the longing in and of itself of knowing that we will never have we'll never receive all the love that we desire all the love that we long for it will it's like this endless void that 
we can we get it and we get tastes of it and we feel it but never this endless well that just goes all the way to infinity infinity and ours to tap into and explore but that but it will never feel like enough like and I think that is yeah and and we just just have to accept that you just said something so beautiful it goes all the way to infinity (laughs) our yearning goes all the way to infinity infinity is wholeness right if you just look at the infinity symbol it's it's whole so our yearning goes to infinity and trust that like it, it is designed to flow to wholeness and that's the trust that's the surrender that's the process of just like this is it's going to lead me there it hurts it aches mm-hmm. and it, i want to close around it it's intense to hold but keep opening keep trusting that it will lead you to where it's inherently designed to flow Yes. And it's, oh, but it will be so much easier to just close down and, oh, I've been hurt before and, oh, my tender heart and, oh, like, do I really want to go there again or do I want to do this? There's like all these stories that come up in the process of opening to our yearning and it's like we just have to like hold ourselves in it and like what you said, like there's so much trust. There's so much trust that has to come in trust of ourself, trust in love, trust in God, because if we're not anchored in that trust, then we're not going to feel safe in our expression. We're not going to feel safe in opening up and opening, blooming our heart open and blooming our body open. It's just not going to happen. Or if it does, it's not going to be in an authentic way. And that right now we're uh, what I'm kind of feeling is we're going through this shift in we're we're as a collective we're going into this deeper capacity of love where it's like these inverted ideas of love which were based off of like lust and desire and just being physically attracted to someone just wanting Mm. someone physically just wanting to explore their body and this very like surface level Phase one, David right. would say, an expression of love. And as we go into phase two or phase three, we're coming into a deeper expression of love and a more devotional expression of love. And we have to go through these sort of uncomfortable phases mm-hmm. to get to get there. And we also have to release these old stories that have been really ingrained in our society about love that love is based on control or love is based on dominating another or love is based on ownership. They're mine and I own them now, or I just want to put a ring on it so I can have them. There's that sense of like control. And I think Uh now we're coming into a more organic and we're flipping the script on that and we're coming into love for what it really is, which is that devotional offering just to love itself. Yes, the offering. That is such a key word. Yearning as an offering. Yearning without needing anything in return. What is that paradox, right? How can I stay open in this yearning as an invitation, right? Yearning is your birthright. If you really identify with the feminine, yearning is your home. And really, it's not for anybody else. It's not to get something. It's not Right. As soon as we start going into, oh, I'm going to practice embodying yearning so I can get something from myself. That is what David would call the first stage. Right. But just moving into the third stage expression of yearning as just love's offering. And mm-hmm. when you live your life as an offering, you do magnetize beautiful things your way. You magnetize depth. You magnetize conscious partners. You magnetize 
right? Just alignment in many senses of the term, but there's no need there. It just happens organically because you're just living as a deepest expression of love's truth, which is yearning, which is the feminine. It's such a beautiful practice to live open as that. And just touching on the polarity piece again, since we just tapped into it a little bit, it's, it's obviously not feasible or appropriate or no one really lives in yearning all the time, especially in this modern world. We have other things to do. We have to be in our masculine and our more penetrative energy at certain times and periods and of our life. But if we want to attract, if your sexual, spiritual yearning is to be pressed into by a lover, then you embodying love's yearning becomes that invitation as I was speaking to you. So really noticing if when you're in a scenario, in a social situation, especially for those who are trying to attract a mate, for example, if you're at a party or something, feel like, am I? The, the less you're anchored in the openness of love's yearning, the less likely it is you're going to attract that deep partner that you want. So your capacity to live open as yearning will draw in that deep intimacy that you're desiring. So forming a daily practice of just softening your body, tuning into that pulse, living open as that, will just allow help you magnify the intimacy that you're desiring. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, for those who are in long-term intimate relationship, just especially when intimacy starts, you know, that you're in a moment where intimacy isn't strong, you're more in friend zone together, getting life done together, bringing in this yearning into your relationship, creating containers where you can just, okay, tonight we're going to be together, we have a date, and I'm going to focus on just living open as love's yearning without need, just gifting my partner with my like deepest expression of yearning for their consciousness, right? For their depth, there's no more beautiful invitation than that for one who identifies with the masculine. Like, wow, your yearning is calling me forth to be a deeper more conscious human Mm. what a beautiful invitation it's like there's nothing more sacred than that yeah just someone being like i want this i i yearn for this in in you or i see this i recognize this in you and to bring it into like a if, to bring us into that moment of yearning, because I think that sometimes like the, the bridge that we need to cross is knowing it and like hearing this versus like embodying it and welcoming this feeling into a part of who we are, into a part of our, our habits and our natural expression. So like in that moment when we're at dinner or we're at a party, like you were saying, and it's like, is it enough to set that intention of, of I on this at dinner tonight, I want to, my intention, I am intending to be that expression of yearning to open myself. Is that intention in itself enough to naturally start to, to open us? Or in that moment when you're sitting at dinner and you're feeling maybe yourself getting into old patterns, you know, closing off, you're feeling like that, maybe something said that is a little triggering. And so your heart starts to go like, Oh, Oh, you know, and like the old, the old cycles and the old stories come up and we're feeling them rise to our body. 
And then how do we meet that moment with the new energy? How do we meet that moment where it's like, oh, I just want to close down right now. How do we then in that now moment bring in that energy of yearning into our body and start to reprogram ourselves in that experience? Yeah. Like in real time. I mean, that's a really good question. And that's the nature of practice, right? Mm-hmm. To sustain an open experience of yearning throughout even just a date, for example, a two-hour date, where a lot's going to come up, right? He's going to say something that hurts you or, you know, look at their phone or whatever can happen where your body will kind of start clenching and you'll want to cut off. You, you'll want to, I, I mean, this is just what I experience in so many women. There's an experience of like retaliation. Oh, you don't deserve yeah. my yearning anymore, right? <laughs> you don't deserve my yearning because you're not conscious. But that is precisely the time when your yearning is most required. It's easy to stay open as yearning when you're getting and receiving the deep love and consciousness and attention you want, right? But how do you stay open as yearning when your lover isn't really there when they said something hurtful, right? When they're distracted, when they look at another woman or something, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the practice is required because actually in those moments, your hurt is your wisdom, your hurt, minus the childhood stories that might arise in that hurt of I'm not loved or he's abandoning me and yada, yada, yada. The fundamental hurt there is consciousness is left. The divine masculine is not here, right? <laughs> right now. My partner's in a collapse, not aware. I can't trust him, right? It's like, where did he go? So your authentic hurt, where did he go? And that's your wisdom. And that's valuable. And what's so va- important and also valuable to your lover is showing that hurt while holding on to your yearning for them, not showing your hurt in a way that's attacking them or shaming them or resenting them, but showing your hurt openly, full-heartedly. I'm yearning for your depth and it's not here. And ow, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And that hurt could be displayed in whatever way feels most authentic for you in that moment. It could be fiery. It could be really soft and tender. It could have tears. It could have screams. But any expression of the feminine from dark to light, from wild to soft and supple, as long as your yearning is there with it, it's an invitation and it's beautiful for your lover. But it's hard to stay connected to our yearning when we're feeling such intense emotion, such intense pain, such intense hurt, right? So what I encourage women to do is in their solo practice, bring So sustain this feeling of yearning in your heart, in your throat, in your pussy, in your cervix. Sustain the feeling physically, spiritually, and start to bring in different kinds of energies through your body while sustaining that yearning. So bring in anger while you're sustaining yearning. Bring in sadness. Bring in, you know, just all these different flavors of your your own expression while staying true to yearning so that in the moment, in a real life moment with an intimate partner, the pathway is already carved, right? Mm-hmm. The practice is already there. So you can implement that that expression a little more easily when it's required in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why it really all does come back to our own practice because it's easy to sustain our yearning when 
when we're receiving and when we're in this, in the presence of pure consciousness. And it's just like, we drop right into that. It's effortless. It's natural. It's organic. But, or when we're with our girlfriends and we're dancing and we're, Mm -hmm. we're witnessing each other and, and, but it's in those moments that the moments that need them the most, that's really where our devotion to our own practice comes in. So we can really like show up for ourselves in that, way of staying anchored to to love like ultimately to our own fullness of love when the last thing that we want to do is be love in that moment when our ego is starts our inner child starts having a fit and our ego starts making a story and everything is kind of on that automatic track the power of our love really gets to come in and like be that antidote yeah yeah so love and consciousness, right? That's the polarity that we're playing with. Yeah. Love and consciousness. So as I mentioned before, when I lost my train of thought, yeah. when, when we, so we yearn for consciousness. That is love's yearning for consciousness. So love and consciousness are two sides of the same coin. That's the wholeness. Those two forces, love, the feminine, consciousness, the masculine, they create life they create the world as we know it we are the incarnation of both of those forces so when we're polarizing in intimacy when we're inhabiting a state of yearning we're in our feminine yearning for the masculine right we're constantly beckoning consciousness towards us that's just our yearning all the time for consciousness consciousness i want consciousness right totally in a lover you want their consciousness all the time that you want their divine masculine all the time and it's okay to want that it's okay to want that Mm -hmm. especially in a partner who's ready for you to want that from them for a partner who is ready to practice who wants to be their deepest most conscious self there's no greater gift to them than you yearning for that consciousness all the time and they're going to resist it right when they're tired or when they're cranky or angry or but at the end of the day it's like wow my woman she beckons me to be the deepest most divine part of myself and nobody else can do that the way an intimate partner can mm-hmm. and vice versa our partner holding that pole of consciousness not all the time not every moment we're both sovereign integrated beings with both energies but when we're in we tend to naturally attract our reciprocals. So for those of us who really identify with yearning and longing and the feminine and all these things I'm speaking to, you're probably going to yearn and attract a partner who just naturally embodies the masculine more easily, right? Mm -hmm. So what they offer to you is just this sense of alignment, right? I think of consciousness as like the skewer, the container for energy, right? Energy is the feminine. Love is the feminine. And without a container, and we could just feel this in ourselves, right? In our own like whole beings. If we're just in our feminine flow without any container or structure, there's no depth to it. It's just a puddle on the floor, right? Mm. But the masculine provides a container for that flow and energy to have depth. So that's what a masculine partner brings to our lives, just always deepening our energy, feeling us deeper than we feel ourselves, right? That feeling deeper than we feel ourselves is 
creates a foundation beneath us. That's the container. So we always feel held. We always feel relaxed. We always feel like my partner's got me. Mm-hmm. Right? They're there. And that's what we yearn for, right? Mm-hmm. So many women I know yearn for that deep sense of relaxation and intimacy. Yeah. It's like the ultimate. It's the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. And what what so often happens is we, just speaking to my experience, spoke of a period of my life, like in my late teens, early 20s, when I was more neutralized in my expression, where my heart still yearned and I felt very feminine internally, but on the outside, I had this more masculine shell. So I was attracting partners who were more feminine than me. And even though we had a lot of fun and there was a lot of love and connection there, I never really felt like I can let go mm. and like I could trust fully in the way that my heart really wanted to because they couldn't feel me deeper than I could feel myself. I didn't trust them. I couldn't let go because I felt my masculine was deeper than theirs, right? And that's a really common experience for a lot of women. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I had similar experiences too, and I remember just how uncomfortable it felt. Like it's a very like ooh, uh, like it it just is off, and it it does it throws off the dynamics off. And right, there's just a feeling there that I can never fully relax into this. This isn't, and your heart still longs for something else. And until I was in a relationship where I really felt what it's like to feel like wow, I could be here forever. I could be here forever. I never experienced that intimacy before on that deep, like soul level where my soul just felt like, ah, I could relax. I could let go. I don't have to hold myself anymore. It's like that feeling of like, ah, finally, like that big exhale. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So that's what our masculine, that's what the masculine partner provides for us. Those Mm -hmm. with the yearning feminine hearts, Mm -hmm. right? So the more we display our yearning through our body, like I mentioned, I had, I had yearning within, but was sh- had armor on the outside. So I was attracting relationships based on my armor rather than what was true in my heart. So the more we can bring what's true in our heart and transmit that through our bodies into the world, the more we'll attract relationships, situations that are aligned with our deep truth rather than all of our shells of protection that we've adopted. Mm -hmm. Did you have like a breakdown to breakthrough moment or a pivotal moment where you really remember that essence of yearning, either like that aha moment or feeling it for the first time? Like, was there a turning point for you in all of this? Mm. Like I mentioned, I've always felt so connected to my longing. And really the aha moment was just an embrace of it, a learning Mm -hmm. that it's okay to have this. This is who I am and this is a part of me. And I deserve a lover who's ready for that yearning, who wants that yearning, right? And there's a lot of immature men who aren't ready to really carry a woman's yearning, right? Because it's scary. It's a demand. That yearning is a demand. It is. It's a demand for depth. It's a demand for consciousness. And a lot of people aren't ready for that. And that's okay. And what I, in my experience, a lot more women are ready for that than men are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
that's where the discernment comes in because if we don't practice our our discernment we're gonna I don't want to say we're going to get played. It's not like that, but we're, we could get hurt because we have these soft, open hearts. And when we're not discerning with who we choose to open them to or who we choose to share them with, then, and if we choose to open ourselves to a man that isn't trustworthy in his masculine, because we're seeing something maybe through rose colored glasses or because we're seeing them in their higher self versus their human self or versus what they're showing us, then where we can really set ourselves up for to be hurt. So I think that is where the discernment and connecting into our womb wisdom and is so, so important of being really kind of picky about who we choose to express this, that part of ourselves to. Yeah. Also being claimed. So When you form your own personal relationship with consciousness, with the divine consciousness in your solo practice, and what consciousness is, what the divine masculine is, awareness. So that's the awareness in you, the awareness in another human, the awareness in an animal. It's the same consciousness. Consciousness is just, it's one. Mm -hmm. That's the nature of consciousness. So really forming a relationship with that consciousness in yourself and the experience of consciousness is emptiness, is spaciousness. So it's the emptiness and spaciousness of awareness. And when we really develop a relationship with that emptiness through meditation, through these, these practices, right, meditative practices, where we're just connecting with that ground of spaciousness that kind of holds the feminine experience, right? The feminine is experience. And the masculine is the spaciousness in which experience plays itself out, right? Mm -hmm. So this is happening inside of us right now. So form a relationship. I encourage everybody, especially feminine practitioners, to form a relationship with their own inner masculine, a devotional relationship with it. Sit in emptiness, right? Because the more we develop our masculine depth, the deeper our feminine energy will become, like I was speaking to you about the container, right? So our capacity to rest in in our own emptiness of awareness actually creates spaciousness for our feminine to deepen and to flow more fully and to be experienced more fully. So the deeper we get in touch with our own masculine and learn to really trust in that spaciousness, let ourselves be pierced by that spaciousness, surrendered to that just ecstatic emptiness the less we'll tolerate anything less than that in another in a lover in a man in a human right so when we're claimed by the divine masculine anyone who can't claim us as deeply or more they just it it won't even be a question it just won't be worth our time Mm Right? Mm-hmm. It'll so, be very clear. Hmm? Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be it, it just will feel just like, like no. Yeah, it just will feel like a no. Like you what there's nothing you would receive in that relationship because you've already been imprinted so deeply, right? This penetrative force of the masculine. If if that penetrative force has pressed into you so deeply anything that presses less deeply there there won't be any effect yeah 
right? Yeah. <laughs> there won't be any effect. So y- you call forth a deeper partner in your life, the deeper you anchor and are claimed by your own inner masculine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a really essential part, you know, and to have a, to have um, a healed masculine. A healed you know? masculine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly if you really identify with a feminine, you know, I, I have a masculine practice. I meditate and these sorts of things, but my partner is much more developed in that domain, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're developing your masculine capacity, it's not like you're repelling a partner by doing that. Right. Because there's still right. people who can meet you there and deeper. And there's still people who are more practiced than you in those domains. And isn't that what you want? Like, I imagine we yeah. all want like a really conscious, deep person, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We have to be ourselves conscious and deep. In all, we have to be conscious and deep in our own masculine. We have to be full and loving in our own feminine. And similarly, we want a balanced human as well. Like a, a man who isn't connected to the femi- to his own inner feminine, to his expression, to his fullness, to his love. It just isn't as trustable. Mm-hmm. Right? We're we cutting want- off their emotions, totally. you know, in, in totally. bottling it up. And then you're like, how is this going to come out? Because it's not coming out in the moment, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, integrate- in being integrated human beings is so important. And that's what the second stage journey is about. Again, referencing David Data's work, the second stage is... And maybe I'll just break it down really quick since we've uh, referenced it a few times. So the first stage in his work. So the first stage is really the stage of our patterns and conditionings of the societal overculture beliefs and paradigms that have been imprinted onto us. It's not the truth of who we are, the, our patterns, right? And a lot of humans live their whole lives in the first stage, never leaving the cultural patterns and conditionings, familial, ancestral patterns that they were kind of indoctrinated into, right? And often, in the, for the case of women, a lot of those patterns are first stage feminine expression, surface radiance and looking thin and beautiful and shiny and, right, and being devo- a devotional, subservient housewife, controlled by her husband, right? That first stage paradigm. There might be a lot of polarity there still because you're still inhabiting some polarized aspect of the feminine, but there's no depth and there's no authentic expression. It's not, it's not true, right? To, to what's really going on in, in your soul. Mm-hmm. So what motivates someone to wake up from the first stage to the second stage is often a feeling of yeah, just recognizing that you're in a pattern and that, that it's not who you are and you want to explore your full self. That's what I was speaking to in my own journey. This isn't who I am. I'm rebelling, right? I'm rebelling so I can explore my full range of expression. That's when I shaved my head and went through my whole like wild phase, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then I got to know the textures of my soul and come into wholeness within my being. So the second stage is really all about coming into our wholeness exploring our masculine and feminine capacities, deepening in both of them. So that means being sovereign, knowing how to have a career, knowing how to express your feelings and emotions, knowing how to take care of yourself, right? If we don't go through that stage, we can never have a truly empowered relationship. 
if I don't really fundamentally know how to take care of myself financially in this world, I'll never be able to be in a third stage relationship. It would just be a first stage expression where I'm dependent on my partner, right, mm -hmm. to provide for me. And, and how can we express our feminine fullness, our feminine yearning, our rage? Our, underneath that, there's a feeling of, if you leave me, I can't take care of myself, right? Yeah, it's like that underlying fear Right. Frequency. So we need to know, like, I am whole. I got myself no matter what. I know how to live in this world, right? But then in second stage, we meet someone in that place and we're in a second stage relationship together, living together and, and creating community together and sharing resources and sharing our gifts and all of these things. What tends to happen is that passion starts to diminish. Polarity is gone, right? Because we're two equal, sovereign equals living together. There's no polarity. There's no kind of surrendering one aspect of yourself to another to experience wholeness, to experience that union, that sacred tension, right? So usually in these second stage relationships, and I think a lot of like the new age culture, we see this in communities. And I know it really well because I used to be in polyamorous communities and it, it, it's kind of the vibe of that of we share everything and we're two sovereign people but what often tends to happen is there's a, a feeling of what's next like this isn't claiming my soul in the way that I want mm -hmm. like I don't feel there's something missing there's just something missing and I know this is just I'm speaking a lot to my experience here but I also know a lot of other people have this experience as well and that's when we wake up into the third stage right where we just choose to inhabit the truth of love and consciousness that we are. And for the sake of union, for the sake of deep intimacy, for the sake of deep connection, right? So we're not afraid to go to these extremes anymore, right? I can be a devotional housewife, <laughs> right? And I want to be commanded. I want you to tell me what to do. But it's for the sake of love. It's for the sake of feeling that fiery, passionate connection. It's not out of control, right? It's not out of like feeling powerless. It's actually two people in their power expressing their fullness for the sake of, yeah, just that deep connection, right? It's beautiful. And it's that aliveness. It's that spark yeah. of life. When we bring in all of these expressions of the feminine, all of the aspects of ourself that we've shamed the most, that's when we're just like pulsing with life again, that aliveness, that energy that's moving totally, through us. Totally, yeah. Well, you're such a beautiful example of devotional love and devotional expression and just allowing that softness and that, that just that true expression. It is that yearning and it is, it's like when we allow that yearning to happen, a lot of times it comes out through art or there's art and there's beauty in the way of the expression because it's love expressing itself and love mm -hmm. in its essence is art. It is beauty. It is creativity. It is inspiration. It's, it comes out in these very imagined sort of ways. And the beautiful thing about it is that it comes out for each of us differently too. So we all have our own unique flavor of yearning mm -hmm. and of expression. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if there's anything that has helped you in breaking through those vulnerable barriers of expressing the, the deepest core of who you are 
in an authentic way when you're when that ego or where that when that little fear voice starts to come up and in that process of expressing the deepest core Mm -hmm. of who you are Mm -hmm. letting your deepest radiance be seen yeah because I think that's a lot of where the healing is and also where the magic is for the feminine right now is Mm -hmm. allowing that sparkle to come back out and be seen Mm. be witnessed yeah totally and as we talked about earlier it's so vulnerable and I'm the kind of person so that's been a big part of my journey because I'm such an introverted kind of born shy kind of person so like sharing myself and you know there's different ways like I don't know if you're asking me about sharing myself like in my work right Mm -hmm. Because that's one aspect of vulnerability, sharing myself in relationships, sharing myself in French. There's different pathways of kind of opening ourselves up to this expression. Mm-hmm. But I think for this case, I'm just going to share kind of me expressing my heart with the world, like sharing my art and my gifts with the world. Because it's been a journey for me because it, it's so scary and it's so vulnerable to just shine the authentic truth of who I am. And honestly, I, I still get scared. I, I mean, all the time I'm nervous before every call, before every interview, before every class I teach, there's this, there, there's still a feeling of anxiety and fear there. But what's happened over the years is I'm just, I have a practice of anchoring and softening into my truth, into my wholeness. So I've learned how to just anchor in that through the anxiety and through the fear and through the not enoughness and all of that and just trust that force that wants to come through. I've, I've just developed a deeper relationship with it. So it's able to kind of cut through all of that. So what and even even as I'm talking, like I could still feel right even right now, like an underlayer of like fear, right, mm-hmm. of vulnerability, of anxiety, and just like just letting what's there cut through, not paying attention to that anymore, not letting it collapse me. And the only way I've learned how to do that is just through practice, just through doing it, through sharing my heart. I mean, the first performance I ever gave because I sing, I play music. The first performance I ever gave on stage I could barely get a note out I was so scared my voice was shaking but I gave my love anyways my love still channeled through all my tension and all my fear a little bit came through right and over time my channel expanded so that love can come out more easily and fully and more expressed and more artfully, even though all that other stuff is still there. And the mm-hmm. same is true for teaching, like the first classes I've ever taught. I mean, yeah, just stumbling over my words and not knowing what to say and being so like ridden with anxiety, but doing it anyways. We have to go through that process to build mm-hmm. our capacity. It's just we have to face the uncomfortable. We have to face our vulnerability. We have to fuck up a lot (laughs) right and survive through it because it builds resiliency Mm -hmm. to feel like okay I'm still loved I'm still love yes I fucked up yes I said the wrong thing yes I did a horrible performance yada 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 but I'm still whole I'm still love and I'm going to keep going because what else do I have 
Right. How can I die complete in this life if I'm not bringing this forward and learning how to bring this forward more and more fully every day? It's just yeah. a part of the path. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, a deep yearning of the feminine is to die knowing that we express the fullness of our love. You yeah. know, like knowing that that is, a, that is what we that is something that we experience in this lifetime. It's for me, at least it is. It's like, I want, I think the feminine wants the love to pour out of her, you know, of not even her, just pour out just in its own expression. And that, because that's our happiness. That's what really, you know, that, and I love what you said about anchoring in the softness because it's, because I, I love, once again, the paradox of that, because we're anchored in, but that doesn't have mean that we're becoming rigid where right. we can be rooted and grounded, but also right. open and soft. Right. Yeah. And, and giving your gift now, that's, that's such a big teaching. Something I've learned a lot through David's work, giving your gift now, despite the wound. Mm. And what I mean by that is we all have patterns and fears and we all create excuses for why we can't just give our love now. And those aren't necessarily going to go away. Like I mentioned, I still get nervous. I still get anxiety. I still want to hide under a rock, you know, and like hide from the world. Like that's, I'm just like such an introvert. I'm totally happy. Just not like in a room with instruments or out in nature by myself for weeks. Like I could totally do that. Right. So it's (laughs) all my stuff. It's still there. And it's just, it's not going away. And I think there's this misconception and like the, I don't know, like current new age healing world where like we have to heal those wounds first. Yeah. Right. And that somehow they're going to go away. How would you live if you knew they weren't going to go away? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a big question to ask because really what it demands of you is to live anyway, to give anyway, right? To love anyway. It might not be perfect. It's going to be messy, guaranteed. But do it anyway. And through that process, you'll learn and you'll grow. And maybe those wounds and those patterns will diminish over time. Maybe not, right? But don't count on it. Don't wait for them to disappear. Just love, right? And if some are really bad, you know, if, if there's certain things that are so um, constricting to your life that you can't give your love, if they're so heavy and so dense, then that's what therapy is for. Therapy and healing and these modalities that help kind of break down the density of those patterns and those traumas and those wounds so that we can even begin to feel safe to express our love. But once that initial period is over, then you just have to work with them. You have to work with those patterns. Yeah. And love, love through them. Love through them. Give your gift through the Mm -hmm. wounds. Give your gift now. I love that. I think that's a beautiful message to stop on to, to end this on. Give your gift now. Yeah, I know. And give your gift in the messiness too. We don't need to show up perfect. Our mess is beautiful and just as sacred too. I think the world really needs us all giving our gift now our own ways. So is there any last words you want to say just on the topic of yearning and polarity that's coming through you at all? You know, I think we covered so much. And I know. We, yeah. We really did. 
And thank you so much just for your work and for showing up and being such a, you're such a beautiful example to me of just someone who really walks this path with integrity and with grace and with, I feel really safe within the containers that you create. And I, and I feel that there's a lot of trust and truth there. And so thank you for creating these spaces too, for us to go deeper into this and for being an embodiment of it yourself, because we do learn so much just by witnessing and being witnessed. And so I'm really grateful that you're on this path and sharing your heart in these ways and helping us open our heart in these ways. And Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, I want to ask you a couple quick questions. So what is a book that changed your life? Wow. (laughs) The first one that's coming to my head, I know there's many, but Women Who Run With the Wolves by Dr. Mm. Clarissa Pinkolastes. And your favorite song to put on and dance to? One of my favorites is Nina Simone Tanny Way. Okay. Hop in and get down to. I love cooking dinner and yeah, just grooving to that song. Amazing. And your biggest lesson in love? My biggest lesson in love, just what I ended with is really just love now. Love now. Don't wait to love. And a daily ritual that always connects you to yourself. I have a few, but lately it's been working out, like just like throwing on music and just dancing my ass off. And yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's really intense movements. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and your favorite feminine practice or ritual? Mm. Just sitting in the softness of my being and letting that softness emerge in a really organic and authentic way. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and for your time and for having this conversation today. And please let people know where they can find you if they want to get in touch if they want to work with you for anyone who's resonating with this, I and is curious about diving deeper into feminine practice. I highly, highly recommend your work, your containers. Like I know that it really, it did something to me that I never even expected or could have seen coming. It really, I feel like this is really powerful and really important, uh, work and aspects layers of ourselves to tap into so yeah where can people get in touch if they want to explore this further with you well my website is wayofdevotion.com and i run group programs a few times a year i think the next one that's coming up is in january it's a six-month mentorship for advanced practitioners and that's a really beautiful group called wild wisdom um so there's still uh, spaces open for that and i have another one that starts in spring called ecstatic love and that one is one i really invite everyone to join as an introductory course and i run that one twice a year and of course i do one-on-one work as well amazing and where can people find you online what's your instagram yeah my instagram is way of devotion 
All okay. one, one word. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nina. It was so nice having you on. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ruby Ray. I am your host, Jacqueline Norton, and I'll see you next time.